Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 342 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Tuesday, November 7th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Friday, November 10th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And in our audio booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Good evening, everyone. All right, Kenna, tell us what we've got coming up this week. Well, this week we're trekking out some new shows in development for CBS All Access and the latest on the development of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, the Mirror Universe is threatening the PC version of the game, while consoles are gearing up for Season 14 Emergence with the Kobayashi Maru. And of course, Winters has another STO top tip. Jake and Cookie are bringing us another report from the Promenade this week, and later we're reviewing Discovery Episode 8, Sivas Pachem Parabellum. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, each week we thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Not just for listening to the show, but for your contributions, whether it's through feedback or by engaging with us on social media, at live events, or by sharing the show with your friends. And of course, by becoming a patron of Priority One Podcast and contributing monthly to our financial goals. Over the course of the last several weeks, especially since Discovery launched, we've been adding content to our Patreon subscribers. So, for instance, at the $10 level, you get a weekly review of Star Trek Discovery with the likes of Tony, James Lee, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, Dr. Robert Hurt, and myself. So far, we've been getting great reviews of On Screen for our patrons. Now, we understand that you may not be able to contribute financially from month to month. But there's another way that you can support Priority One, and that's by sharing our show with your friends. Remind them that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news from Priority One Podcast. Now, don't forget that you don't have to contribute $10, $5, $20. You can contribute $1 a month. And that type of contribution certainly adds up from month to month. So again, to our patrons, we are so very grateful for your ongoing support. And to our listeners for sharing our show with Priority One Podcast and engaging with us from week to week. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Remember that time we were adamant that CBS began introducing new shows to their all-access streaming service? Well, thankfully, they're starting to roll out announcements of new shows that will only be available via CBS All Access. 
Up first, a comedy from Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, and the frat comedy website Funny or Die will be another buddy cop series. This one is definitely going to earn its TVMA rating with all the foul language and sexual content. The trailer was released early and the series begins airing on November 12th. Additionally, during CBS's third quarter earnings call, Les Moonves announced that they are also rebooting the classic series, The Twilight Zone, with Jordan Peele in discussions as showrunner. All right, now seriously, no joke, I'm really excited about this. Uh, because I think I've watched just about every episode of The Twilight Zone as I was growing up, and Jordan Peele is a very talented and creative person. I think this could really be great, and I'm thinking a happy marriage between Black Mirror and American Horror Story, I think this could be some fantastic television. Mm -hmm. So, Captains, if this is the type of content that might entice you to finally subscribe to CBS All Access, we'd be remiss if we didn't remind you to support Priority One Podcast by using our affiliate links. Signing up to CBS All Access via our website links won't cost you anything extra. Instead, your subscription to the service supports our show by just subscribing. Can I take us back for just a second? Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but Jordan Peele is the is the guy who wrote um, and produced, I believe, the horror film Get Out, which I didn't yes, see, was. Yeah. Uh, but has got really, really good uh, critical acclaim. And yeah, Great, I yes, think would absolutely. probably be a really, really excellent showrunner for something like The Twilight Zone, because he's got a background in comedy, but also uh, good credentials as a, a horror, uh, scary film guy and um, mm -hmm. that that's something that I the couple of episodes that I've seen of the Twilight Zone that's where it, it gets really good is when it's bizarre and scary together don't look at me like couple that yet. of episodes of the Twilight Zone you mean to tell me you've never watched the episode where the little old man Rocky's coach loses his son his glasses after an atomic blast You've never seen that episode? That, oh my god. You've never seen there's something on the wing. Some thing. <laughs> You've never seen these episodes? Okay, first of all, I oh, get really man. scared really easily. Um, second of all, um, the Twilight Zone is one thing that I remember as when I was a kid, I always wanted to stay up late. My parents wouldn't let me. Except if I watched the Twilight Zone with them. That's the only thing. I could stay up late if I stayed up and watched the Twilight Zone, which, of course, scared the crap out of me as, like, a seven-year-old. And, and so, no, I haven't really watched that much of it. Um, I'm going to mirror that, because uh, I sorry. don't believe that I've ever seen any episode of the Twilight Zone. <gasps> but <gasps> I may have seen something when I was much, much younger, when I was a kid. You probably watched The Outer Limits or something, and you're, you're Do you know confusing what? the two. That could be very true. Elijah, uh, we could uh, we new podcast for the network Twilight uh, Zone rewatch. That, that that hurts me so much. So my only reservation of them rebooting the Twilight Zone series is that we are now in an age of American Horror Story and Black Mirror, and Black Mirror is very Twilight Zone esque, a combination of political commentary with high suspense, high thriller, high fright level content. So where this would fit into this new genre that's taken over um, is going to be difficult. I think it's going to be a challenge to try to to try to wedge into a market that's already kind of there, mm. right? Netflix yeah. has got Black Mirror and and uh, FX has uh, American Horror American Horror. Yeah, but Story. don't underestimate you know the the trade in value of nostalgia. 
Right, that's true. Well, this is actually a great time to ask a community question. Will the new CBS All Access shows entice you to subscribe if you haven't already? Or will they keep you subscribed if you are planning to cancel between seasons of Discovery? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO342 or on one of our social media channels, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. Matthew Rimmer over at TrekMovie.com reports that co-showrunner Aaron Harberts revealed that in two weeks, the team will begin work on developing the second season of Star Trek Discovery. This was during a Q&A session during a fan event at the Millbank Tower in Westminster, London on Sunday, November 5th. According to Rimmer, some additional hashtag Trek nuggets of information were dropped, including, quote, Harberts revealed Michael Burnham was named for the Archangel Michael, end quote. Trek Movie also posted several photos from the Netflix-hosted event, including uniforms and the Discovery's captain's chair with a recreation of the bridge in the background, which I gotta say looks way better than the green screen thing they were doing at Vegas and New York Comic Con. Agreed. How come we didn't get a facsimile of the, the, the rest of the bridge? Man, I was, I'm so jealous of you folks over in the UK. Uh, it, was, it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I use it as my Facebook profile picture. Well, Captains, we are nearing the mid-season finale of Star Trek Discovery. And, yep, you can expect a cliffhanger. When talking with Digital Spy, co-showrunner Aaron Harberts admitted that he took some cues from Game of Thrones insofar that, yeah, we're going to see a cliffhanger of some sort. He told Digital Spy, quote, It's very much inspired by that. The goal to look for a cliffhanger, be it an emotional cliffhanger or a plot cliffhanger. I think we have more hope than Game of Thrones because it's very bleak. But yes, it has always been our goal. End quote. Yeah, it's an inevitability, isn't it? Because that's just the way that things do. And ugh. from a marketing standpoint, you should have a cliffhanger. Uh, from a person who's viewing it, oh, stop it with the cliffhangers. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, it just depends. It just depends on, on how gratuitous the cliffhanger is, right? Because Walking Dead, for instance, has given some, like terrible cliffhangers. I think that would be, uh, maybe not for the, the, the mid-season mm -hmm. finale. Mid-season finale, I'm going to give them a little more leeway on how drastic the cliffhanger is because you want people to come back in, in January. But at the end of the season, I would have a problem if, it, like, let's say, for instance, they left it on, on like, a, a, a drastic cliffhanger and season two was not renewed. Right, and then so there's yeah. all these questions. It's kind of like the end of, of Enterprise, right? Like, there were questions at the end of Enterprise. I like it when serialized storytelling in a season mm -hmm. ends as if though there's not going to be a next season. I agree. Right, where there's they leave some unanswered questions, like Stranger Things, right? Like Stranger Things left you with some unanswered questions, like oh, but but it wasn't it wasn't nagging questions. Right, but you're talking about cliffhangers at the end of a season. This is a mid-season cliffhanger. Yeah. Right, right. Which is why, which is why I'm a little more forgiving if if they if they give one that's like gratuitous. Ooh, we want people to come yeah. back. If they were like at the end of Stranger Things, like the first series, and they're like, and tune in next season to find out what happened to Barb. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would have been that would be gratuitous. Uh, 
no. But I'm willing to forgive a mid-season break because it's you, you really only have to wait a month or two. And you got Christmas and New Year's in there. There's a lot of other things going on that you probably won't notice as much. Like episodes of Priority One that you can listen to weekly. Ooh, and ooh, while we're talking about the Christmas break, we should mention that probably we're going to have a bloopers episode. And if you have a favorite blooper, you should send it in to us or tell us what it is because we're going to need to start compiling them soon aren't we winters yes indeed (laughs) i'll have to start doing my research indubitably over the last 50 episodes well that wraps up our roundup of weekly star trek news now let's visit star trek online and other gaming news computer status report status incoming message i'm only in the mood for good news today Well, Captains, welcome to Star Trek Online and Gaming News, where it's time to get out your fake goatees, because the Mirror Universe is back. That's right, the Mirror Invasion starts this weekend. In this special event, teams of players have to work together to protect Vothal Station from a Terran Empire invasion. Captains can help by closing rifts, defending the station, or attacking the incoming force. The event is on for three weeks, and completing the daily queue at least 14 times in that period will earn you 50,000 dilithium, 500 fleet marks, 250 marks of your choice, and the new ground weapon, Mirror Universe Phaser Dual Pistols. The Mirror Invasion is live on PCs now and runs through November 30th. So, something I want to point out regarding this, this is the first time that a three-week event is actually going to unlock the special item across the entire account. Oh, it's an account unlock. It's an account unlock. Yeah. Right, okay. So, you know, like the three-day weekend events that they've done, the, those mm-hmm. were account unlocks. That has right. now been transferred over to the three-week events. So, if you earn this on one character, you unlock it on all your characters. Gotcha. Nice. So, that's a nice little bonus. Yeah. So, moving on now to a big event coming to consoles this weekend. If you're impatient for the launch of Season 14 Emergence on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 next week, you can keep yourself busy for the next few days with the Kobayashi Maru. This weekend only, try your hand at defending the famously doomed ship from waves of enemies and see how long you can survive. Will you go with the timed version or the more difficult untimed version? Either way, playing it three times on different days while the event is live will earn you the special universal console Reiterative Structural Capacitor. And that's in addition to the normal rewards you get just for playing and doing well. Once again, the Kobayashi Maru event is on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 this weekend only, now through November 13th. And while we're on the topic of things to tide you over before the new season launches, the Infinity Lockbox is also back on consoles this weekend now featuring selected prizes from the recent Privateer lockbox. You'll receive the lockboxes in random drops all over the galaxy, and they'll require a master key to open. The Infinity lockbox is available on consoles now through November 14th. And just before we move on to Winter's top tip, there's just one line I want to point out from Patch Notes this week. Foundry editing is temporarily unavailable, and that's a known issue. Now, I wanted to mention it because we actually haven't talked about the Foundry in a while. And for those of our listeners who may be new to this podcast or may be new to Star Trek Online, the Foundry, which is PC only, I should say, 
is a really great resource of story content between featured episodes. So the Foundry is Star Trek Online's user-generated content section, and anyone can write a mission, and they can be found all over sector space. So if you're itchy for new stuff while we're waiting for the next official episode, then the Foundry might be a good place for you to hang out. Now, speaking of things to do whilst you're playing Star Trek Online, what better way to improve your gameplay than by listening to Winter's weekly top tip? In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. You may remember several months ago I talked to you about recruiting duty officers from Starfleet Academy and the Klingon Academy. Recruiting from either of these locations is possible on Romulan characters depending on which faction you choose. Well, in addition to recruiting at the Academy, Romulan characters can also recruit from the new Romulus Command Center. When you beam into the transporter room, walk straight out and proceed down the hallway to the right, then take the first right and go into the room where the bridge officer trainer is located. Just as you walk in the door, there is a console located on your left. If you interact with this console, you will be given the option to recruit personnel. From there, you can submit requests for tactical, engineering, science, and civilian duty officers. Just as I recommended with recruiting from Starfleet Academy or the Klingon Academy, I advise you to stay away from the general recruitment option, as it costs 1000 dilithium to run that mission, whereas the other recruitment missions I mentioned you can run for free. All of the missions I listed take 48 hours to complete, and once complete they will have a 24-hour cooldown period before they can be run again. For more information, we will leave links in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO342. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, just a reminder that the lifetime subscription sale is still going for PC players through December 7th. Get a lifetime subscription for $199. That's $100 off the normal price of $299. And of course, make sure you check what the deal is in your region. For more details about any of these events we mentioned, be sure to have a look at the in-game calendar. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's check out some more Star Trek merchandise with Jake and Cookie on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And I'm Jake Cobb. And this is the promenade. Have you ever seen the movie Mean Girls, Jake? Uh, once or twice. Well, there's a scene in that movie that this product that I'm about to talk about reminds me of. So it's a girl named Gretchen, and she's trying to make a phrase fetch popular by using it often in sentences. And Regina says, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. (laughs) As a way to deter her from continuing to use the word. Well, that reminds me of this new t-shirt. StarTrek.com has released new Star Trek Discovery t-shirts, but instead of writing out Discovery, it has been shortened to Disco. Yes, there's a women's and a unisex version, 100% cotton, navy blue, with the Discovery Delta on both sleeves and the word Disco across the front. Who's actually going to call it Star Trek Disco when talking about this show? I don't know. Will this catch on? I don't think so. I personally just think they're trying to make sure no one says STD. (laughs) 
Now I found out our very own fellow podcaster, Jace, who does the literary reviews here on Priority One Podcast, bought one of these t-shirts. So I reached out to him to ask his opinion, and here's what he said. He said the t-shirts are nice, very soft, and he added, and I quote, thought it would be a fun, lazy cosplay day for events, plus something Trek to wear that isn't too overbearing or anything. Cool to have something that's worn in-universe but not expensive costume stuff. Also naturally kind of funny since it's disco. And then I asked him the big question we're all wondering. Is he going to start referring to it as Star Trek Disco? He said, I only say disco to someone who's already familiar with Trek if I'm chatting. Or I might say Disco Trek to be slightly clearer. (laughs) Disco Trek? That's even better. Well, maybe this will catch on. Who knows? Hashtag Disco Trek. These t-shirts are $24.95 for the women's style, and the unisex is $26.95. What do you think, Jake? I love these t-shirts, seriously. And when Jay said that they were super comfortable, uh, it might be worth the $26.95. That's not what I wanted to know. I wanted to know if you're going to be using Disco Trek or Star Trek Disco. Oh, yes. The answer is You are? (laughs) You better believe it. I can't. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. All right, so we've talked about these before, and the lovely Cookie Cupcakes has teased me mercilessly, but I think you all need to know. There are new Star Trek Mega Block figures. Okay, technically they're Mega Constructs figures, the line rebranded earlier this year. But where the name is different, the figures are essentially the same. A few months ago, the Promenade reviewed the phenomenal Star Trek 50th Anniversary Mega Blocks collection. And now Mega Constructs has delivered two more Star Trek beauties for your consumption, this time of the TNG variety. May I introduce the Borg drone and Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Back during San Diego Comic-Con, Mega Constructs announced the release of its Heroes line, a collection of individual figures sans building sets from some of our favorite pop culture franchises. Heroes Wave 1 featured not only our beloved Mon Capitan and Borg Batty, but also He-Man and Skeletor from Masters of the Universe and a Colonial Marine and Xenomorph from the Alien franchise. The two-inch action figures, and I do not hesitate to use action figures over the common Lego brick figures nomenclature, feature ball-jointed necks, shoulders, and hips, with cut elbows and knees and swiveled torsos, wrists, and ankles. They come on a blister card, not unlike those of larger action figures like Star Wars, each with a buildable display base and assorted accessories. Yes, they are very hefty looking. They look durable. Yes. Jean-Luc's likeness is surprisingly impressive for its size, and though body proportions are a bit exaggerated, it is undeniably our favorite diplomat captain. He comes packing his pad and Type 3 phaser rifle accessory, because Picard isn't just a talker, and the aforementioned display base. The Borg drone is a bit more generic, just a normal old biped infected with nanites. But the neat thing is that it has a few different Borg enhancements, all of which can be attached to our poor convert, creating several unique drones. So buy a few. Again, the proportions are exaggerated, but man, these are so much fun. Now, if you have both the drone and Picard figures, you can make a pretty convincing Lacutus. As a matter of fact, I posted a few pictures on my Twitter feed celebrating hashtag TNG30 doing just that. What's your Twitter handle, Jake? At FinCobb. Thanks. No problem. But we'll put a link in the show notes. I picked up Wave 1 at Walmart for about $5 US each, but they can be found almost anywhere. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for Wave 2, which will sport Kirk and Spock from Amok Time. Dun, 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 dun. 
Wavetooth will also continue its Masters of the Universe offerings with Tila and Beastman and add Fry and Bender of Futurama fame to boot. What do you think of the uh, Mega Constructs heroes? They're cute. Would they fit with regular Legos, or do they only work with the off-brand Legos? No, they. You can. I mean, if you buy a, a pack of those and a pack of regular Legos, you can stick it. They all. All the blocks connect and everything. So. Okay. Then I approve. The figures are a little bit bigger than normal Legos, though. So there you have it. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes. So please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about this segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's see what the gang thinks of Star Trek Disco Episode 108, Si Vis Passe Parabellum, on screen. Jake, stop trying to make disco happen. It's not going to happen. Oh. On screen. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's reviews from the Promenade. A big thanks to Jake and Cookie for visiting us this week. Now, we've got a new episode of Star Trek Discovery to delve right into. Kenna, why don't you give us a summary? Sivis Pachum Parabellum is the title of the eighth and penultimate fall episode of Star Trek Discovery. And this week, it's a tale of two halves, making up one part of a tale of two halves. There are two big stories in this episode. Michael Burnham, Lieutenant Tyler, and Commander Saru are on Pavo, trying to find a way to detect cloaked Klingon ships. And Laurel is on Cole's flagship, trying to help Admiral Cornwell escape so that she can defect. Let's start with Starfleet. Frustrated at their defeat by Klingons, who are now all using cloaking devices, the Disco crew head to the alien planet Pavo to try and harness a natural form of powerful sonar. There they discover a nebulous life form woven into the fabric of the planet's forests. It is at total peace, and when it communicates with Saru, he becomes crazed and violent, trying to force his away teammates to stay on the planet so that he can live without fear. Ultimately, Burnham and Tyler work together to defeat him, and they also convince the nebulous beings on Pavo to help them in their mission. Except instead of transmitting sonar as promised, they transmit an invitation to both the Klingons and the Federation. It's a misguided attempt to create peace. Meanwhile, on Cole's ship, Laurel is playing the part of the good interrogator, right up until she's discovered trying to help Cornwell escape. They fight and Cornwell dies. Despite her attempts to convince Cole of her loyalty, he's not swayed and we see Laurel being forcefully carried away as they receive the signal from the planet Pavo. The final moments of the episode see Cole's ship coming into orbit around Pavo, face to face with the discovery. The fall finale and the second part of this episode, Into the Forest I Go, comes out on Sunday in the US and Monday morning elsewhere. All right. Well, let's let's analyze the title first, because usually the title is a good indicator mm-hmm. of what we can expect to see yeah. in this week's episode. Now, if, when you translate the Latin, it's a very well-known phrase. If you want peace, prepare for war. Yeah. So here we are uh, seeing two different stories take place. We are now back into the main plot mm-hmm. that we were introduced with when Star Trek Discovery premiered, which is the Federation Klingon War. Mm-hmm. Okay, first, 
we have our, our, our away mission team attempting to utilize a planet's resources in order to detect Klingon cloaked ships. Then, on, on the Klingon side, Laurel is trying to ingratiate herself with the House of Kor under the leadership of Cole. Her tactic is to, well, try to interrogate uh, the Admiral, Admiral Cornwell. Mm-hmm. So she does that by, like you said, being good cop, right? She's trying to be peaceful with this, with the Admiral and, and gaining her trust. Then on the planet side, we also have Saru um, being non-peaceful, mm-hmm. right? Being the, the antithesis of what we found him to be, which is a rational, calm being. Mm-hmm. How does this calm before the storm play into the future of the war? Can I just go back for a second to something that you said um, with Laurel playing good cop with Cornwell? I think, I don't think she was. I think she genuinely wanted to defect. Uh, But maybe that's something that we can talk about because, okay, let me take another step back. This episode was a total mess. (laughs) What? No way. Because there's so many things going on because I was trying to figure out uh, Laurel, was she screwing with Cornwell? Was she really trying to double cross Cole? What was going on? And then she was trying to get in, get in with him at the end. But then he like double crossed her double cross and was like, "You have to claim loyalty to me." But then I'm still gonna cart you away. I'm so confused what's going on. And it was like it was trying to be clever, but you gotta help me out here, especially because on the planet on the other side, they're doing the same back and forth thing with Saru. I was I was lost. I'm a relatively smart person. I was lost. Here's what I took from it was that Laurel is treating it more like an enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend to which I will then backstab my friend in order to take control of the Klingon Empire. So the the threading there is very, it's, yeah, almost complex because I was like, what? I, I didn't believe she was defecting because she wanted out of the Klingon Empire. If the, if the theory that Ash Tyler or there's some Manchurian candidate right. on the discovery, then this was part of the plan. She specifically asks Cornwell to go onto her ship and quote unquote assumes it's the discovery. Right. Because somebody on the discovery is going to Manchurian candidate and flip that switch. And I think that that was her goal. Was to get back to being close to Whoever that person. It is. Okay. Whether it's El Blanco or it's it's you know Jason Isaacs as uh, as Lorca, whoever whoever the theory might be apply- applicable to, right. her I think her intention was not to defect because she wants to leave the Klingon Empire, but she wants to defect so that her plan to take back leadership right. under the banner of Takuvma from Cole, who ripped it away from them, yeah. Th- that's her ploy. That's her plot. Okay. That's her plan. Okay, that's that's kind of right. what I took away as well. So, okay, well, at least we're on the same page there. Then on, on the surface, um, uh, th- I think the story on the surface was was at less important. The story that happened on the surface was more, I think, uh, character building and character driven than plot moving. It's funny that you say that because because I think you're kind of right. It was almost a it was a B plot. Except that it wasn't. Yeah. It was the A-plot in the episode, wasn't it? Because it was the majority yeah, of the right. screen time that was, you know... But it was actually, in terms of the actual plot, it was the B-plot. 
uh, weird. And you see, this is, and therein lies the problem with with discovery that I've that I'm having so far. And, and you know, uh, we we are thrown into this Klingon war, and yet we've had two episodes that have pulled us away from that, in order to be ship in a bottle episodes. So I think Discovery is trying to find its footing between serialized drama and episodic drama, but ultimately trying to appease both sides of the Trek coin. Right. People who don't care that it's serialized, and then and then Trekkies who are very used to serialized. Right. So yeah, this the, the, what happened on the on the planet felt very much like a B plot. Right. The only part of the ground away mission that moved the story forward was that at the very end, the Pa Wraiths decide to try to mediate peace between the, the Klingons and the Federation. But that that's not to say that the performances by the actors mm. Specifically, Doug Jones. I mean, he—he he nailed it. He stole. He yeah. nailed it. He stole the show. This episode w- with dealing with the Klingon plot. I mean, to deal with anxiety, right? This is kind of how I felt. I, this is the parallel that I made. Is that is that somebody who suffers from anxiety, from constant anxiety, their brain is always on, mm-hmm. right? There, there's very little quiet. There's very little peace in the mind because you're always thinking four, five, six, ten steps ahead and worrying about everything that's going around you, right? This is how I, this is how I envision what, it is, what it's like to, uh, to be a Kelpian. Yeah. Just always being on high alert. And that's very exhausting. So for me, my moment of clarity happens when I'm on stage. So when, when Saru found that piece, I was like, yeah, man, I, I feel you. I know, I, yeah, I get it. I get why you want to stay on this planet. Because who wouldn't? Who with anxiety and with, with this, you know, anybody suffering from a mental illness, who would want to give... First of all, the Kelpians is not a mental illness. It's, it's in their DNA. It's in their culture. It's in the, in the way that they have been... Uh, it, they have evolved. Mm-hmm. But I think this parallels with, with mental yep. illness. I think it does. Is that if you are heightened, always heightened, or there's something that just kind of always in your mind, the splinter in your mind, yep. who wouldn't want to fight for that peace? Right, that peace of mind. So at the very end of the episode, when he gives that monologue to uh, to Burnham, and he says, "No, that that was that that was very little them and more me." Mm-hmm. Like you just don't get it, Burnham. I'm always on alert. Yeah. For once in my life, I felt at peace, and no, that wasn't that wasn't the Pav the Pavans. It was me. Yeah. I that really resonated with me, and then on top of the way he delivered it, yeah, his performance in this episode behind all of that makeup. I forgot that he was wearing makeup. I forgot and I stopped watching that, that he was layer and layer of latex. Yeah. It was just so well delivered. Yeah, I agree. And in that moment, it was very easy to identify with him. And you can kind of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it kind of brought, brought you back to the, I mean, I always say it, the humanity of the characters. They're not humans, but you get, you get my meaning. Um, yeah. And that was a really good moment. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, in terms of touchstones, we had the needs of the many monologue, right? The mm-hmm. needs of the many theme. Yep. You know, she delivers that with Ash Tyler on the planet. Yep. Um, that was very familiar. Then we start getting into some Federation regulations, such as general order. That was kind of cool. Directive. I kind of liked that bit because um, it. it, it it was it was it was exposition, wasn't it? Saying what's the difference between right. this and this, but it was kind of it was kind of nice because y- you get a little confused. I always get a little bit confused um, on how you know what they're all called, and I I thought that was a nice little um, moment. Uh, some more experienced people might have gone, oh, we don't need to explain to us, duh. 
but <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. All right. How about some favorite moments? What did what was your favorite ooh, moment, Kenneth? Ooh. So um, the moment where they're kind of in the weird tent thing, and uh, Lieutenant Tyler is trying to distract Saru. Uh, so that Michael Burnham can go and um, hijack the spire thing. Um, and Saru gives him the rock to touch that kind of glows and they get this kind of psychic connection. And he, and he draws away from it like, he's, like, like it hurts him. And then Saru is like, oh, you're lying to me. And he says, oh, you're trying to distract me. But the look on Ash Tyler's face is perfect. Because if that whole Ash Tyler is Vok thing is true that's exactly the way i think he would look if he was going oh crap they're gonna figure it out wouldn't or, saru have picked up on that though i don't know I, it's the kind of nebulous as to exactly what kind of transaction is going on with the mm. rock i think probably he just felt the deception which was he was deceiving yeah. him he was trying to delay him from getting and he would have it would have naturally assumed that that's what the deception was, not that there was anything deeper. But of course, when he pulled back suddenly, I assumed that he figured if I leave it any longer, he's going to figure out that the deception goes a lot further than what's happening right now. So I, I love that little moment. I thought it was really well played. And um, if 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 Ash Tyler really is Vok, it was a nice little plot device that sort of moves it along. Right. Right. Yeah, that was a good scene. Mm. That was a good scene. There was that little moment of panic in my heart. That was like, oh, we're finally going to get to know whether or not he's the one. My favorite moment was at the start of the show, uh, the space battle. And I was like, finally, we're getting a combat scene that is not 30 seconds long. I mean, it's like the third combat scene we've seen. And we're eight episodes in. We're over halfway. And it was the first one that was like, this is actually pretty decent. This coming from the man who loves Deep Space Nine, and all we got in seven seasons was maybe four or five ship battles. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, did you guys catch the little nod to uh, nice little uh, Russian space history with the USS Gagarin? I believe Yuri mm-hmm. Gagarin was the first person in space. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, too bad the ship got blown up, but it was a nice little nod. The Gagarin was my ship. That's the ship that I love. I fell in love with. If it, if it is, it looks like the same ship that I saw from uh, Battle of the Binary Stars that I was like, oh, my God, that looks like a Savi. Like, it's got this, like, Savi feel to it. I love it. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. blow it, it up. Blued. It got, <laughs> I got, it got, it got exploded. It got exploded. But um, yeah. do, do you remember when uh, they were in that battle and uh, Lorca goes, uh, Mr. Whoever, can I trouble you to fire at something? That reminded me of something that we reported on a few weeks back when he dropped the F-bomb. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. sorry, I'm wrong. He said, uh, for the love of God, fire at something, and he couldn't. Oh, Didn't yeah. we report yeah. on that a few weeks ago, or months ago? Yes. Yeah, I, 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 he, he, said, he has said that kind of thing before, like during the simulation, mm-hmm. and both times I was like, I wonder if that was the moment that, that he right. dropped the, the, the God word. Yeah. Um, so it could have been it could have been during the simulation scene or it could have been this particular right. scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought the exact same thing, Winters. I, and, and you know who agrees with you is James Lee. James loved that scene when he turns over to his tactical officer and is like, could I bother you to fire <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah. Um, I also, I really liked in that scene, hello, we have finally gotten a, an acknowledgement that they are expanding this cloaking technology. Because for a couple of episodes, we've been going, uh, is nobody going to talk about the fact that there's these cloaks right. out there and we haven't seen <sighs> them yet and what's going on? And now we finally see them and we're like, okay, yes, okay, we get it now. 
So I think I think Ken, at least you and I are in agreement mm -hmm. that that these last two episodes have been very the last two prior to this one have been very episodic very, in terms yeah. of like this this episode I felt finally moved the plot forward if I am to understand that the plot is in fact the Klingon war. Yeah. If the plot is the Klingon war and Michael Burnham's influence in this war, here was the ne the next episode to move that story forward. Yes, agreed. These last two episodes with Sarek and then again with um, the the Harry Mudd episode, I think was pandering to Trekkies that were that are used to the ship beginning and ending in the exact same spot yep. with with little hints at future stories, right? Like yeah. these last two episodes reminded me of like Vash episodes on TNG. Mm -hmm. Like, we knew that it wasn't going to be the last time we saw Vash. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, she came back. Yeah. But it was just more more as a distraction than right. than anything else. A nice distraction, but still. Again, my favorite moment, like I mentioned earlier, was Doug Jones' performance. His, his mm. monologue and the delivery at the end uh, when he's in the sick bay was just... He he really deserves an Emmy for this his 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 uh, portrayal of of Saru. He really does. I mean, he's a talented character actor who embraces the makeup, the latex, and embodies it. He becomes the character, and you know, at first it felt, and I mentioned this earlier, it felt like a human in makeup. Like right. it was like I'm not I'm not feeling the Kelpian here. Yeah. But this episode, I felt the Kelpian. I it was like, yep, he's he's an alien. Yeah. Look at him running eighty oh. kilometers per hour. No, that was awful. And then mule kicking, burn him in the chest. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, I um, see it now. I see. I it. did. Maybe it's because I was watching it on a fairly small screen on my iPad, but I uh, the 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 parts of him running. Um, oh, that was totally CGI. Oh, yeah. it it was, took me it out of it. It took me out of it. Um, I, I I wasn't a fan, but you know, it, it I got I kind of got what they were doing, so it was all right. So I think we kind of went over our big takeaways was mm -hmm. that this is really this is now moving the the story forward and and um, I'm looking forward to to how this Klingon war is really affecting the Federation. Yeah. You know, and affecting these characters and what what's Discovery's role in this? You know, what's going on with Stamets? What's happening there? But you know what captains, we unfortunately just don't have the time to go into all these things. But, you know what you can do? is that you can consider subscribing to us via patreon.com at patreon.com forward slash priority one podcast for just ten dollars a month you will get the additional review of star trek discovery with an entire panel of hosts including myself tony hunter james lee and al captain gecko rivera with special guests sprinkled in throughout the season one last comment i want to make before we go there was we didn't really get to talk about it either in the recap or in what we were talking about. But there's the moment when Stamets has been uh, navigating the spore drive and he comes out and he's confused. There's a, there's something going on with him that I personally I think it's the, his time streams are kind of converging. He's starting to see everything at once. But he looks at Tilly and calls her captain, and we're kind of led to believe that he's confusing her with maybe Lorca. Um, but uh, there's a nice little scene between them, and then later she does not take his crap. She sits down with him in the in, in the mess hall and says, "Look, what's going on with you? I will help you out." And um, I like her moxie. I mean, I they think that was the first scene for me that you can really see her potential as a leader, even though she's in a very subordinate position to Lieutenant Stamets. Um, her desire to step in and uh, 
and help him when he can't talk to anyone else, I thought was a was a really great moment for her. I've, I completely agree. I am hashtag silly for Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Well, Captains, thank you for joining us for this week's review of Star Trek Discovery's eighth episode, CV Pachum Parabellum. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, before we get into the community question review, I have to give a big shout out to Nathaniel, who I bumped into during Liberty Science Center's Star Trek party in November. Nathaniel, thanks for bumping into me. Thanks for stopping me. It's always, I, look, guys, I cannot tell you how awesome it is when we go to events on site and we're stopped. It's, I, I still can't believe that people even listen to the show like I, it's like crazy there is evidence that uh, people do elijah there, there is evidence there is evidence but it just uh, it, it uh, something like that is just so um humbling it, it it's just great no I, you know i'm trying to think of another word other than humbling because but it really is great and and so i'm so grateful nathaniel that you bumped into me and, the, and you stopped me and we took a picture together and i was able to post it on facebook and stuff this kind of it's it, it's that it's just it's so awesome, Captains. You have no idea how much that yeah, means to it's us. Wonderful and, meeting people. Uh, in life. It, it really is. It really is. So please do not hesitate. If if an event is happening in your area and and one of one of our cast or crew happens to be there, don't be shy. And and more importantly, just don't be shy week to week. You know, stay in touch with us via via email, via social media via Facebook, Twitter, you name it. You know, it's it's drop us a line. It's that kind of. En- yeah, that kind of engagement is really what fuels our passion to do this week to week. And with that, let's review last week's community question. If you could visit any earthly location with Star Trek history, where would you go? Would you go to Vulcan or perhaps Vasquez Rocks or where they filmed Starfleet Academy? From Twitter, Ask Terry Lynn S said, I'd go to Paris, the capital of the Federation. Because creeps? Crepes. Crepes. <laughs> no, I it's don't think crepes, she's crepes, after the crepes, creeps crepes, in Paris. I crepes. don't think she, that I don't hi Terry. Um, no, I don't I don't think that's what she'd be going for. Plus plus You know what? You know what? Terry would. Terry would go after the creeps just so she can kick them in the balls. <laughs> like that's, no, but that's Terry. Listen, Lynn. in Gene Terry Roddenberry's like, vision going... of the future, there are no creeps. <laughs> Oh, Terry, please tell me you heard this, please. (laughs) And we also have a few new iTunes reviews this week, which is great. It's great to see. Thank you guys so much for for writing in and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us. The first one is from SF Copite, five stars. I've been listening for quite a while and never miss an episode. Not only are they a great crew with fantastic interpersonal chemistry, but they have insightful and knowledgeable opinions to share about Star Trek. Especially now that Discovery is in release, Priority One is an indispensable part of every week. And thank you so much for saying that. I, I debate the interpersonal, the fantastic interpersonal chemistry, though. I think we, we seem to fight well, more than that, a... <laughs> she, seems, she, has, she has trouble with the fantastic 
انت باث لوك This week's title at Thursday winner was Christopher Sprague. This is my sign. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Without my sign, my podcast is useless. Without me, my podcast and sign are also useless. Yeah, this was that really cute one of us at, at STLV this year, kind of cuddling our big banner <laughs> that we had made. Just before, was it just before I I, I, I folded it up and you took that video? <laughs> yeah, oh yes, yes. Remember that video? It's been a long road. <laughs> we should take that out and retweet that. That was funny. And we once again took to Twitter with our survey Sunday question. Do you think Laurel is truly looking to defect or do you think she's trying to dethrone Cole? And out of 17 votes, 18% of you said defect, hashtag the food is better. And 82% surprisingly said dethrone, hashtag she hate war paint. This is interesting and we didn't really get into much of a debate about it. I'm not sure if I want to, but I, I assumed that she was trying to defect. But apparently, you guys disagree. So do I. I totally disagree. Well, Captains, that wraps up episode 342 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a reminder of what our community question is for this week. Will the new CBS All Access shows entice you to subscribe if you haven't already? Or will they keep you subscribed if you are planning to cancel between seasons of Discovery? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel for some in-depth playthroughs of Star Trek Online. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Priority One. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Now with a brand new format starting in December, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sim, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with additional support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Havel Sweet Media. Thanks to Jake Morgan as well for spearheading our social media endeavors, especially those Title It Thursdays and Awesome Survey Sundays. Additionally, a big shout out to Jake for last week's skit regarding Save the Gormaganders. That was totally written by him, uh, and we are so very grateful for his talents. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. 
Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Trek Movie also posted several photos from the Netflix-hosted event, including uniforms and the Discovery's captain's chair. <laughs> You're like, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. I'm having a sinus problem. The Netflix. I'm, I'm so sick of so congested right now because I'm on a plane. Like, hi, my name is Kella. I'm right now. <laughs> That's not what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> my stapler. Trek movie. Oh, shut up, both of you. Just shut up. <laughs> my stapler. My it's stapler. like this is not the day. I I just have not got patience for this. Right. Trek movie also posted several photos. <laughs> Don't make, I tell you what. Can you edit that and avoid any words that have N in them? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Man. Be it an emotional cliffhanger or a plot cling, or a plot cliffhanger. Plot cling on. It's not fun. It's not. It's, it's not fun. It's not as funny as your plot cling on. It's not as funny as your. That's like hi, hi everyone. Welcome to Power One. My name is Kenna. I just, I just flew in and boy, am I tired.